Yo, it's Julian on the brand note in a review of the Kate Blanchett starring Tar, which is one of the um, favourites at the Oscars recently and ended up being shut out. And it's from the director, writer and actor William Todd Field, whose previous two films, uh, 2001's In the Bedroom and 2006's Little Children, were both massively acclaimed. But it had been about 16 years since he directed a full feature film. And um, this one stars Kate Blanchett as a dominant lead character. She is a wonder composer in the rarefied air of classical music. She is a cause celeb globally known as one of the culturally most important conductors. And we open proceedings with her in a very, very obsequious interview with a genuine music critic um some of the most pretentious garbage you've ever heard um but it sets a tone for the world that she's in she's very haughty she's uh she she's obviously extraordinarily egotistical but pretty much couches all of that in this um genuineness i guess um, and it's other people that seem to sort of promote this agenda that she is a god. Um, but we see in other people's interactions with her um, that she is, is regarded as a god, uh, particularly um, Noemi Merlin as Francesca, who's her assistant. She's one of the most important characters in the film because we understand that she's in love with Kate Blanchett and Kate Blanchett does not treat her particularly well. She often comes across like an extremely arrogant CEO towards her. Uh, and even though the character of Francesca is a very, very talented com uh, conductor herself, is... Um, basically taking down notes in shorthand for her and getting her dry cleaning done which she wants to do um and that's a very important character so we then move i think to like we said we also meet her wife the brilliant actor both these performances are superb the noelmi merlin one and the uh, nina hoss brilliant actress and her performance as the wife of Kate Blanche's character called Lydia Tarr, hence the titular name. Um, the, then we see more about her home life, which is that um, Nina Hoss's character, Sharon, is emotionally very unstable and also very sort of worried about what her wife gets up to when she's not at home. Lydia, Lydia Tarr spends all her time traveling the world, going to different things and flirting a lot with um, beautiful young uh, women that are in, uh, looking for a leg up into the world, this rarefied air of classical music. Um, and Lydia Tarr is the, um, the conductor for the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra, one of the big seat jobs in global conducting. And they share an adopted child and it's clear that Lydia doesn't really engage with her home life particularly. Um, and her wife is the lead violinist in her own, uh, in the Berlin Philharmonic. And uh, we learn so much about the, the, the world of um, classical music. It's fascinating. 
um, if intellectually very draining, um, because we learn that the um, the lead violinist was actually the the person that was in the place of a conductor on stage. They were the lead person. Uh, the conductor used to sit in the sidelines more um, until the modern sort of era. And when things got more, the orchestras got bigger and more complicated, they got sort of shunted. But they're still the one that stands up and bows to the audience alongside the conductor. And Kate Blanche's character is going to put on a performance of Mahler's Fifth Symphony, which is being recorded. Uh, and these are, you know, this is a, the biggest ticket item in her universe. We then get, I think, the best scene in the whole film, and one that is a kind of iconic scene. She does a freebie class at um, an America, I think Juilliard in America, somewhere like Juilliard, uh, the, like a very top end music school. And there's this, um, I guess, non-binary person of color conducting a modern piece. And it kicks off this incredible scene. Um, there are a lot of very long sequences, over 10 minutes in this film, and I think this might be the longest. But it's an incredible scene. The person conducting is doing a new piece from a, a modern composer, possibly the composer of the film's music, who is unsurprisingly Icelandic. Hilda Gu... Oh, I'm going to say this so badly wrong. Gudnadottir, possibly, who's won an Oscar. I can't remember what film she won an Oscar for, but one of the endless string of Icelandic film scorers at the moment. Um, she starts to engage with him saying that, you know, this is all well and good you're doing this modern music, but it doesn't really move me. It doesn't really, you know, why are we doing this? Um, the music itself is very avant-garde. It doesn't really, it, it doesn't engage with me. And the guy, or if, if it's a they, I don't know, I don't think that's specified, but the guy conductor throughout this whole exchange is so feeble he can't string a sentence together in defense of what he is being asked to defend and he basically tells her i don't i don't care about bach i don't care about beethoven i don't care about old white cis straight people i only conduct music by non-white cis straight people which, I mean, you can argue the political merit of doing so under some circumstances, but she makes them really, she inviscerates him, but not, I thought, in an unkind way. And he just loses it and storms out because he can't defend anything he's saying. And she makes a lot of really good points about, you know, how would you like it if you were defined by your race or your sexuality when it came to somebody reviewing your work and it's a great sequence it's it touches on the modern notion of what the film is about which is basically cancel culture in the me too movement so what happens then like i thought well, i was being set up for a really amazing character study of lydia tar the composer but after this event, things go south uh, and it becomes a much more um, dramatic film than i expected and basically what happens is one of her students, someone that she had kicked out and somebody that she had contacted every major body in America saying, do not work with this person um, because she's mentally unstable, killed herself. And this sends chills when, when this is revealed and the fact that her assistant, Francesca, has been receiving very, very upsetting emails from this person 
and that Lydia Tarr knows that she has bad-mouthed to everyone in America behind the scenes, suddenly she's terrified of what's going to happen next. As this unfolds, we then get this picture of Lydia Tarr as somebody that abuses her position of power by focusing on beautiful young women wanting to be in the world of classical music and using her power to give them a leg up whilst in being engaged in very toxic relationships with them that in this instance have resulted in a woman taking her own life and that's how the rest of the film pans out with Lydia Tarr being ostracized from the world that she needs and it's a pathetic sight as well even though she's at the top tier we realize that she really doesn't have anything once they start cutting off her legs like this and kicking her off of the podium at the berlin philharmonic orchestra and and people protesting outside her lectures and stuff like that she doesn't really seem to have anything at all. Even the lead violinist's wife seems to have it all compared to her. And she retreats into her old apartment, her old cheap apartment building. All the while this is happening, it becomes a psychological horror in a degree in that she focuses intently on noises she can't control at night. She hears weird noises in the day. She's constantly sort of almost like it's a ghost story that she's possessed by these weird elements that keep happening. It might be a ticking clock somewhere, but to her, and these are all psychological trappings of what's happened to her. Where this film really excels is in ambiguity. Um, I've seen some people say that, you know, it's, um, oh, it's, it's just right. It's the old guard railing against cancel culture. One of the most important elements that happens is that lecture she gave where the uh, conductor stormed out after being told that he was his ideology was so bad um, is re-edited by someone in the class to make her look much worse. Um, we've all seen the real one and she might have been haughty or inconsiderate but she was bang on right and she they basically took any offensive sentence she she said and and cut out the rest and re-edited it to make her look like a monster so these twin worlds collide of a couple of um, girls coming forward and saying that you know they are inappropriate inappropriate relationships with um the lydia tar character and one of them had committed suicide and had, this huge legal case was was launching and there are a couple of uh, famous faces along the way. Julian Gover um, is, is a predecessor to Lydia Tarr. Mark Strong as an investment banker who's uh, in love with the whole world of conducting and funds her school for uh, female conductors, basically. Um, it gets quite crushing how far down the rabbit hole she goes, but and she does lose it really badly but I, I really like the fact that there was some complexity in this her for instance we know that it's an abusive relationship with um, Francesca her assistant and we know that Francesca's in love with her it's inappropriate and it's destroying her yet at the same time it's clear that Francesca is hanging in there for what she's can can get out of Lydia Tarr and when Lydia Tarr doesn't give her the job she thinks she's going to get, she turns on her overnight and vanishes without a word. And there's this uncomfortableness between, yes, you've got someone with a huge power imbalance 
potentially ruining careers or making them. But you've also got these girls who are possibly manipulating her as well. And we see a young Russian student come through and it's left hanging in the air, like a lot of this film, the ambiguity, ambiguity as to whether or not she is actually manipulating Lydia Tarr. Um, and I love that side of it. Um, it's a brilliant film. Um, next to Flat Out Perfection. Well, it's a hard film to watch. It's a very literate film. Uh, very intellectual film. Uh, lots and lots of long words are used in this film. Uh, lots of um, austere characters um, and it's not an easy watch uh, and it's three hours long nearly um, but I found it very enthralling and exciting if I, if I had any flaws I would say um, that it can it can feel repetitive it can feel like a lot of these long sequences have gone over later on in the film in similar ways and that it could have been more concise um, I think it could have upped some of the ambiguities a little bit more. Um, but it's still a masterpiece. It's a fantastic film and it has one of the best end shots of all time, which has been well spoken about. Um, don't spoil it. It's, it's, it's both unknowably odd and yet utterly perfect. Um, Blanchett has obviously been, uh, many people are saying that it's her best ever performance. She's one of the actors of the best actors of the modern era um, and this would be right at the top of anything she's ever done Lydia Tarr is a fascinating person it feels incredibly relevant as well in a post me too environment um, of people in high positions of power abusing them but also the way that they can be abused as well by people who are very ruthlessly ambitious and trying to get what they want and where do you stand? It doesn't offer you easy answers on any of this. Um, and also the whole notion of worshipping people as gods um, and what impact that can have. So it's a brilliant film. I'm going to give Tar a very solid 9 out of 10. Uh, this